We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The chaos has been going on all week since the weekend. My guy Alex is here, graphics guy Alex, Shy Town Alex, AP Alex. What up? What's up, man? Wow, what an introduction! That that was awesome. Um, it's been chaos, absolute mm. chaos for the last what uh, seventy-two hours now. Uh, I, I feel like Sunday. Well, I feel like Sunday the night the eighteenth was like three years ago. It's it, it's been crazy, man. It's been chaos. Absolute chaos, and it looks like it might be the end of it, but still, there's so much to talk about. Yeah, I was surprised how many people reached out to me, uh, whether it was from fans of the show to just friends asking me about the Super League. I didn't know it was going to command this kind of attention, but when you look at the teams that were going to be featured in this thing, it's only right that it will command that kind of attention, no? Yeah, of course, because we're talking about the most marketable teams in the world. We're talking about Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Manchester City, Manchester United. Um, and, and it's funny that, that you mentioned these, these teams because they labeled themselves as the 12 big teams in Europe, when in reality we have teams like Arsenal, never won a Champions League. Uh, easy, easy, buddy. Never easy. won a Champions League. Tottenham's never won a Champions League either. Chelsea, they're, they're a big team. But they're a, a new big team. They're like that new rich kid, you know? Like, you, they they don't have the history that some of these teams do. So, of course, you think about 
about those teams, those players that are were supposed to participate in the Super League. And yeah, man, you have people from all over the place asking questions. I was watching a video Rich Eisen was covering the Super League. I'm like, wait, isn't isn't your forte like NFL? But he was covering the Super League, which kind of shows you the magnitude of this whole event that went down. Yeah, I just want to uh, I want to rattle off all the teams uh, that were involved just to open up the conversation with that. So we had Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Atletico Madrid, uh, Inter Milan, AC Milan, and Juventus. Teams that were not included that either disagreed with the whole creation of the Super League or just said no to it. Uh, PSG, Bayern, Borussia, Borussia Mönchengladbach, how you like that shit, West Ham, and RB Leipzig. So, Alex, for the people that might not know, right, or are listening to this and they're like, what the hell are they talking about? Can you explain how the Super League came together? It's a very complex story because, honestly, on a personal note, I've been hearing about the Super League since I can remember. Uh, the Super League was an idea for years i remember in high school talking about it in my spanish class people wouldn't believe me um i i also remember that i i read some things about florentino perez by the way we have no relationship florentino and i i i don't know him i don't claim him um he wanted to do a super league back in 2009 when he was signing cristiano ronaldo kaka benzema xavi alonso all those guys to real madrid florentino perez is the president of real madrid i think i should add some context to that um but basically what the super league is is like and i think this will set a good example and it will make people because uh, i know your listeners are mostly uh football fans basketball fans um mma fans baseball fans it's basically like this. Picture the Patriots, the Cowboys, um, the Chiefs. Uh, can I can I just can I just help you out because in my notes I have something very similar because one of the questions that I wanted to bring up is what would be the American sports equivalent to this? And tell me how you feel about this one. I said, imagine if you just took the fourteen teams that made the playoffs last year mm -hmm. and they just created their own league. And all those teams split the revenue, split the TV ad revenue, split the ticket sales. And then this way, they don't need to worry about if Dallas gets 100,000 people in their stadium. They don't need to split revenue with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets or these teams that don't really fill up their stadiums. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. That's what the Super League was or what it wanted to be. That's exactly yeah. it. And the the teams from the Super League were basically saying, listen, we we want to create our own league. We're still going to play our domestic league. We, we might even be nice enough and play the Champions League, but this is exclusive for us. We're going to play this tournament. All the money is going to be for us. You guys can only show up if you're invited. If not, then we don't want you here because we really don't want to split the money with you. And and the the big reason why, which I believe was your question initially, because I, I 
lost my train of thought a little bit. The, you said how, how did it come about? Those 12 teams, especially Real Madrid and Barcelona, they were tired of splitting the money with with uh, Elche, Eibar, Levante. Mm -hmm. Those are like the bottom feeders in the Spanish league. They were tired. They were sick and tired. And in the Premier League, same thing. Manchester City, Liverpool, uh, Manchester United. They were tired of, of splitting money with Burnley and Southampton and uh, Fulham and uh, Leeds United. Well, Leeds United might not be a great example because they just got promoted. But they were tired and they're like, listen, we are the ones that are making the most money. We should keep all of it. The, we, we're only giving these guys money so they can shut up. So they don't complain about them not getting money. They they gave them scraps pretty much, and they're like, listen, they don't even they're not even worthy of our scraps. We're gonna get up. We're gonna we're literally gonna take our ball and we're gonna go to another field and play by ourselves because we're the ones that control this and we want to keep everything. So that's pretty much how it came about. And man, I mean, you saw the 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 outrage from everyone. Everyone was outraged that the fans of these teams, the fans of the teams that weren't invited, um, everyone, everyone was outraged and rightfully so. I mean, it, listen, it's not a terrible idea. I, I, I don't hate the idea, but the intention and the way that they presented it was just, it was malicious. It was malicious. And of course, like there's going to be resentment now. Um, Chelsea and Manchester City, you know, all the Premier League teams that wanted to join. They, they try to play it cool, like, oh, li listen, like we messed up, but take us back. I don't know if the Premier League teams are going to take them back. In, in Spain, I mean, the other teams have no power. The power is literally just split between Real Madrid and Barcelona. And Atletico just as of, like, the past decade. Mm. But other than that, man, I mean, these, these elite clubs wanted to take their ball and play somewhere else. In a, in a very exclusive group where you can only join if you're invited. And, of course, they didn't like that. And that, it's, it's also funny, I'm sure we're going to talk about this later on, but a lot of the owners of these teams are American. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of things I want to uh, respond to. Um, the, the origins of Champions League is what I think makes soccer so interesting. And personally, I was talking about this on the locker room that I did yesterday because this was one of the topics that was on the conversation. Uh, Alex would have been there, but, you know, he sold this out. But, <laughs> but one of the things that I mentioned was about the American owners. But in particular, the Champions League was created to really see who the best team in that season was. And when you look at the history of it, it it's such a great tournament. First of all, it's played midweek, which is fantastic for us in the States. Dude, I personally, Alex, I'm a fan of a lot of teams. My main team is Arsenal. But I like a lot of teams. I like Barcelona. I like PSG. I like uh, following all the teams that have the American guys, like Juventus with McKinney and, and Chelsea with... with you know, the golden boy Pulisic and Dortmund Arena. So it's a lot for me to digest, bro, on a Saturday. And, and selfishly, it's my one day off and I want to rest. You know, I don't wake up until like 12, 1230 on Saturdays being a complete piece of shit. But with that said, I watch all the Champions Leagues 
all the match legs, all the Tuesdays and Wednesdays, because it's the middle of the day. It's 2.45, 3.45. They're done in two hours. And it keeps me in the loop of everything that's going on. And outside of England, all the nations, it's basically the same teams that win the leagues. It's Real Madrid, it's Barcelona, it's Juventus, an occasional Milan team, whether it's AC or Inter. It's really Bayern year in, year out, with the exception of a Borussia. Um, I mentioned PSG. In England, it's like you get Chelsea, you get uh, Liverpool, you get Man City, you get Man U historically, you get Arsenal, you get Tottenham who, who competes, right? So every country you can see who's going to win it, and those top-tier teams... What does Barcelona and Real Madrid do? In a way, they did it to themselves because the Galacticos, right? That's what Florentino Perez, the president of Madrid, he he coined that phrase. Oh, there's this dude on on um, Levante or Deportivo that's nice. Oh, guess what? He's going to be on Madrid next year. And even if he doesn't play for us, he's not going to be playing for you. You see that happen all the time. Dude, when Bayern played Borussia in the Champions League final a couple years ago, the next season, Bayern bought like five of their players. And you weaken those teams. These teams that want to join the Super League have the money to just buy all the best players, which is what they do. And what is happening, I think I think one of the reasons, Alex, why this got rushed was because of COVID. A lot of these teams lost a lot of money. They lost a lot of money because they weren't able to put people in 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 the stands and you're talking about 60, 70, some of them close to a hundred thousand people week in, week out. And also like they want to control ad revenue. They want to control the sport. They want to know that no matter what us 12, we're going to be in this new champions league, so to speak. And they're coming off a season with no fans and the vaccines in Europe have not been going as smooth as they are in the States in the sense of just being available for people. So that's why I think this really got rushed. Yeah, and they they use the pandemic as as an excuse, which is actually like a, a part of my notes right here. They 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 cite the pandemic as like one of the reasons why this was created. But if it really was the pandemic, we wouldn't be hearing or we wouldn't have heard the rumors 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm. Uh, this is something that they wanted to do. Sure, right now, is the pandemic one of the main reasons as to why they want to do this? Yeah, of course. I mean, we all lost money. We lost business. And Nick, you talk about this a lot in, uh, on your show. You talk about how you lost business during the pandemic. Um, we all want to make up for whether it's money or experiences that we lost on. But I, I do feel like it's almost cowardly for these owners to cite the pandemic as the reason why they're going to start the Super League. I feel like it's it's cowardly, and they're lying. They're lying because, yeah, sure, the pandemic is a big reason because you mentioned it. They can't put asses to seats, and of course, that's a huge loss. But the broadcasting rights are still there. Real Madrid and Barcelona, they're still going to get that share. Mm. Um, the Premier League teams, those top six that, that, that we speak about, I mean, my goodness, that deal that that they struck all over the world, and and the exposure has been great. You watch so many different games from the Premier League. Of course, you're going to make money off of that. They're still selling jerseys. 
I mean, every, everyone still wants to buy a jersey regardless. So, yeah, it, it did hurt their pockets, but honestly, it just, it, it feels like that. It feels like a big reason as to why they did this is because they simply didn't want to share the revenue anymore. And listen, to an extent, I get it. I understand um, me being in business myself. Like, of course, I'm. it's not the same magnitude as these guys. We're talking about billionaires here, you know. Um, but, of course, like, if there's someone that isn't generating as much as I am. Why should I have to share with them the amount of money that they ask for, you know? Like, life isn't always fair, and capitalism isn't always fair. But, hey, if that's what they generate... And that's what they ask for, or that's that's what they earn. Well, I mean, what can you really tell them? The, they have the best players. They they have the most attraction to, or, or they they um they attract the most people around the world. Like, what can you really tell them? There's evidence there that proves their point. But yeah, it just to me, the thing that rubbed me the wrong way the most was that that they cited the pandemic as as the reason why we know why it was, and it wasn't the pandemic. You mentioned something about the, the the rights to broadcast some of these games. Amazon has the Premier League rights. Sky Sports does also. So over in Europe, all the guys on Sky Sports were just trashing all these teams because they're being paid by the Premier League. Paramount, they signed the rights to the Champions League. You're talking about billion-dollar deals here with these leagues. So you knew the, you know that if this shit goes down because, look, let's face it, man. If you're paying a billion dollars from the English Premier League, it's because you want Chelsea and Liverpool and Man U and Manchester City. You don't want it for West Ham and Everton. No offense to those teams. Or or, or, or Burnley, like you mentioned before. You want the big guns, right? It's no different than in the NBA. Like, Why do they always say, like, oh, there's conspiracies in the NBA that they want to get the big teams or the big players in the finals? It's the same shit. Exactly. And you want these teams... You want these teams. That's why you sign those deals. If you're Paramount and you spend all this money for the Champions League, dude, you want all these teams in there. You don't want a separate league where, oh, now I'm not going to have Bayern Munich in there. Or I know Bayern said no, but you know they won it last year. That's why they came to my mind first. But you know, Real Madrid's not going to be in there. Are you kidding me? Juventus isn't going to be in there. Barcelona. So that's why I think ultimately now uh, Perez said today, that everything is on standby. He's very stubborn in the sense I was listening to his press conference with the subtitles underneath. And it was interesting to see how adamant he was about getting this passed. Um, You mentioned the American influence. Four of the 12 teams have American owners. The Glazer family, who owns Manchester United, also owns the Tampa Bay Bucks. John Henry owns Liverpool. Boston Red Sox, Stan Kroenke, who has the LA Rams, has Arsenal. So there is some American influence over there. But it's weird because I don't feel like that's how it is here in the States with the leagues. Well, it's not It's not like that here in the States or you don't feel like it's like that. Or we don't feel like it's like that because that's how we operate here. There's no relegation. It's the same teams. There's there's ex- expansion teams, but there's no relegation. Like in the NFL, the Jaguars aren't tanking. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. they they're not relegating. They're or they're not getting relegated. Sorry, they're almost getting rewarded for tanking. They pick first in the draft. Yeah, it's 
Yeah, it's it's weird, right? It's it's what makes American sports so different. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann, when he became the coach for the men's team, he got some heat with some basketball fans because he said, I would have never signed Dirk Nowitzki to the contract he got or even Kobe to the contract that he got. Because when you sign those guys at the time that you sign them, you're paying them for past, not future, right? Even Drew Brees. Drew Brees, those last couple of years, man, that was a horrendous contract. But you were paying him for the 5,000, 5,200-yard seasons that he was having. So what you see here in the States, and that's a hell of a point that you brought up, when you suck, you get rewarded with the best guy coming out of college. Whereas in soccer, when you win, you get more money, you get more spotlight, and then guess what? You get to buy all these players. So it's, it's why I think what makes soccer so interesting is the relegation. Like, I think that's dope. Like, yo, you got to go down to the B leagues for a year. Earn your way back up. You don't deserve to be in there with the big boys. Yeah. it's And think about it like this. Remember those years that the Lakers were, like, really bad after mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant and stuff like that? It Picture picture the Lakers playing in the G League or the D League. I don't, I don't even know what it's called anymore. Um, just picture them playing there because they sucked rather than getting a lottery pick. That's what it's like pretty much everywhere else in the world where where they play sports and trust me i i I watch a lot of media from the uk and not necessarily the mainstream media i i watch guys like us that create content independently and uh well nick you not so much you're a big shot now but uh but guys like the the true jordy rory jennings uh from from the kickoff those guys are awesome and the way that they talk about the American structure is like, no, we don't want that here. We don't want that shit here. We want relegation and promotion. We want you to earn your way to the top. Meritocracy. This is a word that I've been hearing this th- this whole week. Meritocracy. You need to earn it. You need to earn your spot. And the, no, people... From, outside of our country don't like our model and i'll be honest i don't like it either i don't like that you get rewarded for finishing last why do you have to get rewarded for finishing last you should be punished because you sucked um you should be rewarded for winning if 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 the nfl and other american sports or other american leagues sorry if if they followed a european model the tampa bay buccaneers would be picking first in the draft in uh in about a week or so um not the Jaguars. So that's pretty much how it is. And I'm I'm choosing NFL examples because that's like the league that I follow mm-hmm. the most other than like any other soccer league. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it is. And people don't like our model. They they don't like it. And again, I don't like it either. I don't. I, I, I prefer the European model. And even, even the Mexican league is starting to follow this. Uh, the Mexican soccer league is starting to, to follow this this model of no relegation and in Mexico they hate it they hate it so it looks like only in America people enjoy this no relegation um no 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 real punishment for sucking all right enough about the super league we said all that we had to say is there anything else you want to add uh yes really quick I'm sure that the super league is not going to go away we're going to hear about it again in like five years, and it's going to be revamped. You might even have UEFA um, endorse it in, in some way, shape, or form. And I've said this a lot throughout the week. 
But the only reason why UEFA was mad and outraged about the Super League is because it wasn't called the UEFA Super League. If it had UEFA in front of Super League, these guys would be through the roof, happy, very happy. But they don't have the endorsement or they, they can't endorse it. So they're outraged. But it is what it is. This might have just been put to sleep for a little bit. We're going to hear from it again very soon. Shout out to the members of the Patreon, Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Platees, Devin Rendon, Jake Powers, Ryan Pisner, and Corey Johnson Hoops. We're at 58 patrons, patreon.com slash veterans minimum to join. Here's some exclusive episodes, six packs, episodes early, tables, ladders, chairs, oh my, the whole nine. Okay, Alex, uh, I want to talk to you about one more thing. Next week is the Champions League. We got four teams left. We got Real Madrid versus Chelsea. We got PSG versus Man City. Three of the four teams featured in the semifinals all said they would play in the Super League. My question to you is, are you ready for Mbappe and Neymar to pick up the trophy? Because I am telling you that's what's going to happen because I didn't bet them this year. And since I didn't bet them this year, they're going to win it. And I am sick, I'm miserable, and I'm not happy. (laughs) Well, you should be because I... I do think they are the favorites, even though the odds don't necessarily agree with me. People think that Manchester City are the favorites, but the matchup between Manchester City and PSG is very favorable for PSG. So that's why I see them going to the final. And then in 90 minutes, you don't know what can happen. Anything can happen. Um, yes, I am ready. I absolutely love Neymar. I, I, I'm not going to say I love Mbappe. He's a great player. He's fun to watch. And I would love to see him lift the Champions League. Imagine, at 22 years old. World champion with your nation, Champions League winner with your with your club. That's incredible. He's the same age as I am, and I'm here talking about him. So here we are. But but um, yeah, I think PSG is the favorite. I I think that I mean you can make an argument for Manchester City, even Real Madrid. This is Real Madrid's competition, but PSG is the favorite, and just just because of the way that they play and that spark that they had. Um, ever since Mauricio Pochettino arrived, former Tottenham boss, um, he he's played the big games in a very strange way. He sat back, waited for for a counterattack opportunity, and when you look at it objectively, it's not that weird for him to to structure a game plan like that because you have Neymar and Mbappe, those guys on a breakaway. Good luck trying to catch them up. All you got to do is sign of the cross and hope for the best because I don't think you're going to catch up to them. No no, no defender has that speed that Neymar and Mbappe have, and they're deadly when they link up. So PSG's the favorite. As of right now, about a week, you know, six days or so before the first game, Man City is plus 125, PSG is plus 275, Real Madrid is plus 375, and Chelsea's plus 400. Now, what's really, really cool about this, too, man, is you got two American kids heavily featured in this one. You got the goalie, uh, Man City, Stefan. Now, we'll have to wait and see if he gets the nod. And then you got Pulisic, who, man, if he could just stay healthy because he just keeps getting hurt left and right. But it seems like Real Madrid has overachieved to me. Yeah, in a way. They have because their squad compared to, I don't know, the that, that second Champions League out of the three that they won consecutively, it's so much smaller. It was a small squad as it is, 
and they still have a bunch of injuries. I think in, uh, I, I don't remember, I think it might have been this Sunday against Getafe. I think they only had like 15 players eligible in their squad. And they are still implementing the five substitutions. So they couldn't even make the five substitutions if they really wanted to. They could only make four. I mean, man, they, that, that's a very decimated team. And yeah, I, I do believe that Real Madrid, I agree, they they overachieved just a bit. I think um, maybe if they would have faced a Manchester City or a PSG, maybe we wouldn't be talking about Real Madrid anymore. They would have been eliminated. But Zinedine Zidane, man, what that guy has done to Real Madrid, not only as a player, but as a manager now, this guy simplifies the game for his players. He makes it he makes it fun for the players to execute the game plan. So he's a big reason as to why they're here. Um, and I, as much as I want Chelsea to advance, because I, I have a really good friend that's, uh, that's a big Chelsea fan, and I would love to see him happy because his Chelsea advanced to the final. Dude, Real Madrid's experience in these tournaments, man. Mm. I, I mean, they could be fourth place in La Liga and they could be undefeated in the Champions League. That's that's how it is. That's just how it is. I mean, granted, they're fighting for the La Liga title this season as well. But Real Madrid, they 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 grow. They grow in these competitions, and it's it's incredible to watch it to watch. As much as I hate Real Madrid, I think that's the team that I absolutely despise the most. I mean, sometimes you just gotta take off your hat and salute them because they're that experience is admirable, and and the way that they play is just it, it it's contagious because you see greatness and you want to execute greatness too. So I don't know, maybe a little bit overachievers, but it's Real Madrid after all. I personally, I don't want to see Chelsea Man City in the final because. I like the Champions League because I see matchups that, to use a wrestling term, fantasy book. And I would love to see like PSG Real Madrid or Man City Real Madrid. Like I don't want to see two Premier Leagues in the final because I see them twice a year play each other and then maybe a FA Cup or Carling Cup, whatever other cups they have out in England. I'm heavily rooting for Chelsea, for sure, because I think it'd be amazing to have an American kid play in the Champions League final in Pulisic. That would be dope. That would be that would be one way to maybe get some more attention on American soccer after not making the World Cup in, in 2018. So I'm excited for these games coming up. Um, I think both of them are toss-ups. There's not a there's not a scenario that would shock me. Like, if Chelsea goes through, wouldn't be surprised if Raw goes through. Now, I'd be surprised if it's, like, 7-1 on aggregate. Yeah, I'd be surprised there. But as far as who goes through, either combination of the four, I think, would be exciting. Though the two Premier League teams, I'd be the least excited for. Yeah, and also, we just saw them play last weekend, Chelsea and Manchester City in the FA Cup semifinal. So, I, you're right. I, I don't want to see them uh, playing again. Um I, I know you didn't ask me, but I'm just going to say it. Real Madrid and PSG, spoiler, I think that's going to be the final. Mm. Um, I think, honestly, if that's the final, I can't pick against Real Madrid in, in the Champions League final. So I'm going to have to pick Real Madrid to to advance, oh, sorry, to, to go all the way and win it. But like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if if PSG were to win that hypothetical final that I just came up with. Um, even... 
if it's Manchester City rather than than PSG, I wouldn't be surprised either. And that would be some story because Manchester City, we haven't really talked about them much, but Manchester City, they started off their this season really bad. They were like mid-table, like bottom half of the of the top half, so they were like ninth place, eighth place, and then suddenly they go on this ridiculous run like 15 consecutive games with a win. And they get to the top of the Premier League. They haven't left since, and they are 11 points away. Well, they won today. We're recording on Wednesday the 21st, so they're eight points away from clinching the title in three games, or less than three games they can they can get that done. So Manchester City is an awesome story. Pep Guardiola, one of my favorite managers of all time. Um, I think it'll be a very sweet victory should he win because his mother passed away due to COVID a few months ago, about a year ago almost. Um, and I'm sure that would be very special for a very, very special manager. But yeah, um, it's going to be fun. As always, the Champions League, if if it gets played, because who knows how the UEFA might punish these teams that wanted to join the Super League. They might tell them, you know what? You guys can all F I can swear on VM, right? Mm -hmm. I, I can say whatever I want. You guys can yep. go fuck off. PSG is a champ. So there you go. I mean... If they play, if this all plays out, it's going to be very interesting. And if it doesn't, congratulations, PSG, on your first ever Champions League. I want to end the show with this. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's different for you, but I feel like there's no buzz for the Euro Cup this summer. I feel as if it's not being mentioned. It's not, I see no commercials for it. I see no mentioning of it. Why is it because the only thing I can think of, Alex, is because you're you're still having World Cup qualifiers. So like the last time some of the international teams linked up, it was for qualifying for the World Cup. Is that why? Because the the Euro Cup was supposed to be played last year. Fun fact: I actually had tickets. I uh, won the lottery. To I, I didn't get them for free, but like the way it works is you apply for venues, right? You you apply for dates, not knowing where what teams are going to be playing and i won tickets to dublin bilbao and to rome and i had this crazy trip planned like a euro trip where i'd spend like four or five days in each of those cities and then the main event being actually going to the game and then of course covid happens so that gets moved from 2020 to 2021 same kind of setup the teams have until the 29th to decide well the host cities because there's 12 host cities they have until the 29th to decide the amount of people that they want to have in the stadiums. Some are saying 25%, some are saying 50, some are saying 100%. I feel as if there's no buzz for the Euro Cup. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Where are you on that? I agree. I agree. There there's no buzz and it's a combination of everything. You you mentioned a very important piece. Um they've been playing qualifiers for the last what two fifa dates something like that they've been playing qualifiers and the pandemic of course everyone expected it to happen in last summer now it's going to happen this summer and then we have the world cup the following well not the following summer but we'll have it next year so it's just it all got like clumped together and, and with, i mean they couldn't control it there was nothing that that you can really do about it um another reason and this is me personally Another reason as to why I'm not very interested in this edition of the Euro is because um, 
it was the, the 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 amount of teams was expanded to 24 so now there's 24 places in this year 24 teams are going to go and participate to me that's way too much um there was teams like northern ireland this yep. in this edition northern uh i think it's north macedonia or just macedonia um wow i, I sound super ignorant with that but still th- these are not teams that you're gonna call off a of work to watch you know if 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 you go to the euro it's the best nations of that continent representing and albania isn't one with all yeah. due respect to to albanians it just dilutes your product exactly exactly and some of those games man are so dreadful like i remember watching portugal against iceland um in the group stage and that game was just so bad it was so boring and we're talking about the 2016 edition and portugal if you recall they won the euro but not many people ask how they won the euro they qualified as one of the best third places of the group stage that wasn't a thing when there was only 16 teams it was the first two of the group would qualify to the quarterfinals so of course they wanted to add more games and they wanted to make it more interesting they, they wanted more people from different countries to feel excited to to feel connected to the tournament but as a neutral dude i just want to watch belgium against croatia i want to watch italy against spain france against portugal that's what i want to watch um because the this game is a spectacle right soccer is a spectacle it's meant to entertain the fan and those games do not entertain so it kind of defeats the purpose. Of course, there are many different ways of playing and of winning. But just the way that I look at the game, I don't I respect it, but I don't like it. So I mean, it is what it is. I'm probably going to get some hate for that, but <laughs> but hey man, we were good at 16. We were good with 16 teams. I have great memories of the of the 2008 Euro, of the 2012 Euro, of the 04 Euro, where Greece ended up winning, of course. Yes, <laughs> there you go. I, I I wish Mexico would, or even the U.S. would have some sort of uh, of of success similar to that. That that's all I ask for in life. Um, even the 2000 the the 2000 Euro. Obviously, I don't remember that because I was two years old. But I, I I've watched videos. I've done my research. Um, France had just won the World Cup in 98 and then they win the Euro in 2000. So that was ridiculous, similar to what Spain did in 2008 and 2012. And just the games were so memorable. And right now in 2016, the, the, the Euro of 2016, five years ago, the only memorable thing from that Euro was probably Ronaldo coaching his, his team from the sideline because he was hurt. Yeah. Yeah, him getting subbed off. Yeah, that's honestly, that's probably the most iconic moment of that Euro Cup. Yeah, and I mean, of course, it had to be Cristiano Ronaldo because the dude's a stallion, as as you like to say. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk about the games, that's it. There's there's nothing. There's nothing. I honestly, from that Euro, from the 2016 Euro, I remember that, Cristiano Ronaldo, the coach, and some of the chants. The Vardy's on fire chants from the Brits. Beautiful. I love it. I listen to it on YouTube once in a while. But from the games, which is ultimately what matters. I don't remember anything. 
And I feel like that's what's going to happen with the with the Euro coming up in 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 a few weeks. It's it's the same thing. It, it's the same thing. And also, I don't think people are with the idea of twelve different host cities because usually it's one it, it's one country, but now it's like twelve nations hosting everything. And and of course, if you want to get into politics, which we're not, but uh, with with this Brexit stuff. It's gonna be hard to like travel to London and well, also, also like with 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 COVID, like what countries have restrictions? What do you have to quarantine for two days? And then it's like, oh, when do you go into the new city? So it's fascinating, man. It's fascinating, and it it also sucks because I was talking about this with Alan off the air the other day because I asked him the same question that I asked you. Like, dude, I feel as if there's no buzz for the Euro Cup, man. Like, this is something that. You know, the Euro Cup and the World Cup, all the casuals come out. People buy the jerseys. We go to bars with your friends. My friends and I, we gamble on it. We, we go to get some beers and whatnot. Because also, like, the coolest thing about it, like I mentioned before, is, dude, games are on at, like, 10 a.m., 12, 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. It's amazing. And it doesn't interfere with playoff basketball because those games always start late at night. You're starting to enter the dog days of summer in baseball, right? You're about two two months into the baseball season, and there's no football, right? There's no draft. There's no, no there's no OTAs. Nothing. There's nothing to distract you from from soccer, and it just sucks because that's a that's a pretty cool thing, man. Soccer gets to spotlight the 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 sports world for those couple of weeks, and but it's gonna be interesting, man. Maybe we have a different conversation after the Champions League final. And uh, we could talk more about that then. But Alex might just be the best Euro of all time. And we are shitting on it completely. <laughs> well, well, under promise over deliver, right? Of course. Of course. You know That's the motto. That's the motto. Alex, where can they find you, bro? I know you're doing some other stuff as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, you can find me on my personal uh, accounts at Alex Perez FC. That hasn't changed. Um, and you can follow me and my page at Total Foot Club. F-U-T Club. Uh, on Instagram and on Twitter, we have a podcast too. We talk similar like this, and it, it's a bilingual podcast. We talk uh, on Tuesdays. We have English episodes, and then on Thursdays we have Spanish episodes. Um, the Spanish episodes are more like detailing uh, the, the the career of a certain player. Uh, like this week, uh, when when is this coming out, Nick? Was it this? This, this could be tomorrow tomorrow morning. Okay, so uh, once you finish listening to this, you can go and listen to our show about Juan Roman Riquelme, the last number ten or the last attacking midfielder, if you wanna, if you wanna call him that. From from that mold, um, we we kind of detail his career, his best moments, the highlights, the lowlights, everything about about him, and it helped that the person that I was recording with, Chris Suede, shout out to him. He's a big Riquelme fan, and I know you like Riquelme too because you responded to one of my stories where I posted one of his goals. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be that's that's pretty much the move. That's what we're gonna do. And so on Tuesdays, current events, and then on Thursdays we talk about the history of the game because that's something that I am incredibly passionate about. And yeah, I mean the the world goes goes round and the ball keeps spinning. I just made that up completely right now, but it sounds kind of cool. But um, but yeah, man, thank you for having me. Of course, it's always a pleasure. Um, I want to tell you also, um, man, that studio looks really nice. I haven't been there live. I haven't been there in the flesh to see it, but looks really nice, man. Very 
proud of you. I've told you this on personal conversations that we've had, but now I feel like the people should hear it. I'm really proud of what you're doing, of what you've accomplished these last few months, dude. You've been killing it, and I'm sure this is only the beginning of something even greater. Thank you for giving me the platform, and dude, as always, we'll be talking. You have a platform on our podcast, too. If you ever want to join, you want to talk about the Euros, you want to rant about how bad Arsenal is, you can do that. Uh, the floor is always yours, and thank you for, for allowing me to speak on your show. Man, uh, I appreciate that. You know, um, That means a lot. Thank you for sharing the conversations that we have in private to the audience as well. So, no, I'm not being sarcastic there. Uh, at the Lamb Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. Check out the UFC podcast that I did with Alan. Uh, fascinating conversation. If you guys are not aware, this UFC pay-per-view this weekend is going to be the first one of any American sport that's going to have, actually any live event in the States that's going to have a full capacity crowd. So it's a monumental, gigantic event in America, honestly. And yeah, go check that out. We preview it. We talk about some other stuff as well. And we'll catch you guys next time.